now I'm you know, really at the heart of police operations for the second largest police force in the country, working with police forces you know, across the country, you know, working in different kind of operations and advising clients from a massive organization. And the work is genuinely interesting and it feels like I'm, I'm genuinely making a difference. everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This episode is sponsored by the University of Law. The University of Law offers a range of undergraduate and postgraduate courses and master's degrees alongside an award-winning pro bono clinic so you can build up your legal experience while studying. And their experienced career service will enable you to put your best foot forward when launching your legal career. The courses are employment focused and based on real legal practice so you'll be better prepared for the workplace. Part-time and online study options are available so you can work and study at the same time. Click the link in the description box of the podcast to find out more about the courses on offer. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I am a trainee solicitor and today I'm delighted to be joined by Val Atwell, an in-house solicitor at the West Midlands Police. Val is also chair of the Birmingham Solicitors Group, winner of the Future Face of Legal Awards 2021 and Young Business Person of the Year Awards 2022 at the Signature Awards. And last but not least, Val is a former TSL ambassador. So let's give it up for Val. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you. And thank you um, for having me on. I remember being an ambassador many, many years ago. So it's, it's nice to go full circle. Yeah, definitely. So, no, it's great to to have one of our former ambassadors on now as a guest. It's just really nice that that full circle. Um, yeah, that it's just come full circle. So that's amazing. So, um, I wondered if you could start off by giving us a brief overview of your career history to date. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I guess starting from the beginning, I'm Birmingham born and bred. I did my undergrad uh, law degree at the University of Birmingham. I then uh, secured a vacation scheme with Trowels and Hamlins. Uh, so I did that in my third year of university. Uh, off the back of that, got my training contract. So it went straight from university to LPC and then training contract. Um, had two great years at Trowels and Hamlins, uh, a mid-sized international law firm in their Birmingham office. Uh, once I qualified, I then moved uh, to DLA Piper, a global law firm also based in Birmingham. And then after a year and a half at DLA Piper, I made the bold move to in-house and public sector uh, where I am now, which is uh, West Midlands Police, which is the second largest police force in the country. Yeah, that's quite an interesting move. I have, you know, I've interviewed quite a few people on the podcast and I don't think anyone has, has you know, some people have moved in-house, but I think moving into the West Midlands Police does sound like a very interesting move. Um, I wondered, I mean, 
I'm going to skip around some of our questions a little bit here, but I, I wondered if you could uh, explain the key driver behind uh, deciding to leave private practice and to work in-house at the at the police. Absolutely. I think one of the the biggest and the main drivers for me was the, the pandemic. Um, literally overnight, I kind of lost all the perks of a big international law firm. Um, you know, when you're kind of a young person, you know, a student, aspiring lawyer, even a trainee, you're kind of kind of wowed by all these big um, flamboyant law firms that come to, you know, universities, careers fairs with all the, you know, the freebies and they really showcase that they have offices everywhere and can, you know, can really cater for uh, a strong legal career. Uh, I think for me, that was kind of lost like overnight. So my experience was no different to anyone else's across the country. It was just me and my laptop. And at that stage, I was, you know, a year and a half qualified where I had obtained all the like the the strong uh, global law experience. Um, I had, you know, fantastic experiences as, as a trainee, as an NQ. And then it got to the point where I had lost that overnight. And I thought to myself, you know, what's next for my career? Um and especially, you know, the pandemic kind of put everything in perspective in life, it, you know, what you wanted out of life, having balance, um, that all kind of came together and it kind of moved me away from the big international law firms and made me think what was really out there. And and one thing that kind of um, intrigued me was in-house because when I was a student, a few, you know, quite a few years back now, in-house wasn't really advertised as much as the big international law firms. When I was a student, it was very much, you're either going to work in um, a high street practice or you're going to work in the magic circle and there's and there's nothing in between. Uh, so I was at this stage of my career where I thought, well, I could work in any organization, you know, pretty much across the planet and still have the same experience for me and my laptop. So that's when I started looking at in-house roles um, and I found some really, really interesting ones. Um, obviously, the police where I'm at now is super interesting, but some of the other things I saw was being a solicitor for the British Army, uh, being a solicitor for the land registry. Um, and being a sister for, you know, large organizations like government departments. Um, so, yeah, it was a, a mix between the pandemic, uh, interest um, and balance as well. Yeah, I think that's such a good point that you made there about it not really being clear about all the different legal paths that are available to you once you graduate and the focus being on private practice Um like you said, and I think it's great that we can share the message of, you know, your career history so that people do know that there are other um, opportunities out there. Um, so, yeah, I think that's great. And um, you so you qualified as a commercial property lawyer. Um, and I just wondered if you could explain what commercial property lawyers do and what um, made you decide to qualify into that area of law. Absolutely. So I guess uh, starting with why I kind of went into it. So w when I was a um, a trainee, my kind of training contract was my first proper job. I had, um, you know, like part time jobs and things before, but this was like my first full time job full stop. So that kind of first few weeks and months really kind of shaped my career. And my first seat was in real estate. Uh, and obviously real estate is a fancy word for commercial property in some uh, firms and organizations. Um, I had a really good time. I had a fantastic team at Trials and Hamlins, uh, really exciting work. Um, and it was a growing area of work as well. So I think that really shaped 
um, what I wanted to qualify into. So I did six months in real estate. I then moved into construction. Um, I enjoyed real estate uh, much more than construction. And then at the end of my second seat, I was given the opportunity to go back, which was quite rare um, because most trainees obviously circulate between many different departments. And it's very rare that you get the chance to go back to a department. Um, so, you know, I leaped at that opportunity had another fantastic six months. So by the time I had done my training contract, I had one year's worth of real estate experience. And I guess I enjoyed it so much. And I thought to myself, having a year's worth of experience would put me into good stead for the next step. And, you know, for me, the next step was a global law firm and, you know, working on huge projects. So it worked out well. And then I guess for for the audience, you know, what does a commercial property lawyer do. Um, so it's essentially any kind of legal work involving property which is not residential. So anything that is not basically a house or a flat. Uh, so that could include uh, property sales, property purchases, leases, licenses, uh, most typically things like, I don't know, office blocks, warehouses, museums, um, and anything in between. Uh, and, you know, the larger the organization you work for, the higher the values involved. Um, and I guess people that probably haven't worked in property or have delved into it might be thinking, what's the, the interesting or spark about it? For me, it was about having something tangible that you work on. I think in a lot of areas of law, um, I'm just trying to think, for example, I don't know, intellectual property or banking, there's something that you can't physically touch. But for commercial property, there is a physical building at the heart of you know every transaction. So for me, that was something that I could easily relate to. People, you know, non-lawyers could understand it. And it was something that, you know, you could easily see, especially uh having trained in, you know, exciting city like Birmingham, where we had you know, so much development and infrastructure, even today, all the stuff for the Commonwealth Games. Uh, so for me, you know, commercial property was, was the one. That's interesting, actually. And and that's my first seat, commercial property and development. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm really enjoying it. And it's not one that I put down as my first choice. But yeah, I think it's great. And um, yeah, I'll be interested to see how I find the other seats. But um, yeah, I can definitely relate to you on, on the um you know finding it interesting to be be able to actually see the piece of land and see the development and it just gives it that um that edge i think definitely and what does your role at the west midlands police involve um is that completely different to what you were doing before um i can't imagine what, what it would, would involve yeah, sure. And I think, you know, this is always a good question. It kind of opens the door to kind of the in-house and the public sector realm for lawyers. Um, so my, obviously my background's in commercial property. Um, and I think that probably takes up about 40, 50% of what I do now. So my role now comprises of um, commercial property and commercial law in, in any kind of private practice environment. That would be two separate departments. But because um, of the way an in-house function is... Um, structured as a lawyer you get to delve into more than just one area of law so west midlands police is the second largest in the country so you can just imagine you know the the size of the kind of geographical area that we cover as a legal team we actually act for staffordshire police as well so we cover a wide geographical area that covers tons of uh, land and property and it covers lots of different contracts as well so if you think from a pure commercial property perspective, 
that covers things like property sales, property purchases, leases, licenses of police property, uh, training facilities, easements, utilities, um, so everything involved with land owned by the police. Uh, so that's one element of what I do. And then the other element is commercial law, and that is essentially anything contractual. And just to give you some kind of high-level examples, so we recently had the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, and that was the largest ever operation uh, in West Midlands police history, you know, a massive kind of international global event. We had to have, you know, thousands of police officers from across the country to be in the region to police the region but of course they needed things like places to stay um they needs to be fed as well so what that came with all that was um different kind of contracts with police forces uh licenses of a property to kind of house uh, the police officers catering contracts to bring in food and uh, beverages and things like that um so commonwealth games is one example uh the coventry city of culture that was a massive project where we kind of work with lots of different organizations, so local councils, local authorities, uh, third-party companies, um, other bits that the police do as well. Uh, so research agreements with universities, whether it's um, courses related to criminology or policing. Um, so there's a lot of kind of work around that. Um, for any kind of police uh, involvement with documentaries and media, whether that's you know BBC Two, Channel Four, there needs to be a media agreement behind that. And that's something that we work on as well. Um, and then more kind of the day-to-day -day policing. Um, a lot of police forces now work together. So kind of lo local police forces will kind of pool resources if they have specialisms in certain areas. So collaboration agreements with other police forces, uh, local authorities. Um, so quite a wide range of uh, contractual work and you don't you don't kind of see it from the outside but when you're inside you see that there's so much yeah uh, when you were listing off all of those things i just found it fascinating because now that you said it it kind of sounds like obvious that they would need to do those sort of things but um but yeah as an outsider looking in who isn't aware of um um everything that goes into the police force like property events and and everything like that um yeah it's just a really great uh, sort of eye opener um, and the the other very obvious one actually which i uh only kind of stumbled across the last six months but was like uh sporting events like football matches so if anyone's ever been to a, a large-scale kind of football match there is a strong police presence there and behind that is a form of commercial contract um but of course you don't necessarily think of things like that um when you think of the police it's just amazing isn't it how um law affects everything and i know that's just a bit of a cliche but it just does absolutely <laughs> I'd like to take a moment to speak about the University of Law, which is the university I decided to study my LPC at. The University of Law is the sponsor of this podcast and makes it possible for us to continue bringing these episodes to you. So we really appreciate you supporting us by supporting our sponsors. What really sets the University of Law apart from other universities is its belief in training students for the real world from the moment they accept a place. The University of Law's experienced career 
this service and award-winning pro bono clinics offer students the chance to get real-life legal experience which can boost employability. They offer a range of undergraduate and postgraduate legal training and master's degrees designed by qualified experts to help students excel at any stage of their career. Their courses are employment-focused, honing key skills in a teaching environment based on real legal practice. Part-time and online study options are also available on many of their courses to help students work and study at the same time. If you'd like to find out more about the courses on offer, please click the link in the description box of the podcast. Uh, Okay, so what are the main differences then between working in private practice and then working in-house at a public sector organisation? Good question. I I will caveat that by saying, obviously, I trained... um, in a mid-sized international law firm, I then qualified into a global law firm, and then now my kind of experience in-house is as a qualified solicitor. Um, so I guess, you know, generally speaking, I think that when you're working in a private practice organisation, you are um, working for a uh, a private company or, or a partnership, and they're kind of sole function is to make profit so it's a business at the end of the day so it's no different to your supermarket or your butchers or any other shop down your local high street it's there to make money um but if you flip that to you know a a public sector organization whether it's a police force whether it's your local council nhs or fire service they're kind of structured around providing a public service as opposed to making profit so the kind of core values and the kind of drivers of the organization are very different from from the beginning uh, and just to kind of put that into perspective one of the kind of clear examples is you know the chargeable hour and i'm sure you're kind of uh getting to grips with that as a trainee now but as a as a as a lawyer within a private practice organization you are the product so your time is meticulously um calculated and measured um that's not so much the case in in-house and public sector organizations because it, the focus isn't on profit. Um, so that's one uh, main difference uh, too. So, you know, I've worked in international law firms and now I'm in, in the public sector. So in terms of balance, I think there is much more of a balance in the public sector for lawyers. Um, our organizations, um, depending on which, you know, kind of work stream or area is a nine to five. Um, But when you work for kind of the larger law firms, they are global entities and they have global clients. So you could be working on projects that require you to work, you know, beyond the nine to five. And of course, you know, there are there are many kind of elements that come with that. And there are many pros and cons when you work for the larger private practice organizations, uh, because they have the kind of the drive for profit and have the, you know, the international deals and clients they can probably invest more in lawyers as well so i'd say my training was very good at um the international law firms that i was at um so i'd say training is perhaps um stronger but that's because the private practice world can fund that um you know you wouldn't expect the nhs or the police or the fire service to churn um tremendous amounts of money just to train professionals um so yeah, there's many, many differences and there's lots of pros and cons for both. Thank you for your insight on that. Um, and so you've mentioned how uh, kind of relevant commercial property is the police force. And so I, I guess it was a good area to qualify into um, for someone thinking about a career in-house, whether they knew it then or, or not. 
But I just wondered um, whether that's something that you need to consider if you're training in private practice and you want or you might might want a career in house um, somewhere along the line. Does it matter what area of law you qualify into or does that not matter so much? I think yes and no. There are there are certain areas of law where you are very, very specialist and you will need specific information and knowledge to kind of progress uh, and to kind of flourish in that environment. And the kind of the first kind of areas of law that come to mind is, you know, things like family law and immigration. You know, th- those are two areas of law that I have no knowledge in. And if I went into those roles, I, I wouldn't be able to progress at all because I have no kind of background knowledge. But let's say you you come from a background of say I don't know commercial or commercial property, then that's all contract based, and so that can be applied to many different areas of law. So whether it's kind of IP or you know low level contractual work, so that there are certain areas of law where you can take transferable skills, so drafting, negotiation, uh, contract law, things like that. But there are some which are pr- probably not as well suited to transfer across but i'd say if people are willing to to learn and people are excited and have a passion for a certain area or even an organization you know i wouldn't say no to an opportunity yeah i think that's that's uh that's a really good point um and so what career i mean you've touched on this a little bit already with the um sort of work life balance but what career and or personal benefits have you experienced from moving in house so i'd say yeah firstly is is definitely the balance um my job now is a 9 to 5 and working in a public sector organisation we have a thing called flexi leave um which does not exist in the private practice world. And just to break it down, you know, for the listeners, um, that means every single day, any time that I accrue above my contractual hours, let's say, for example, my contractual hours are five hours, um, just as an easy, easy example. If I do six hours that same day, that one hour I get to bank and kind of keep and take as annual leave. And if you kind of apply that to to weeks and months, that's a lot of time that you kind of get back to yourself. Um, And if you think about, you know, all of the kind of horror stories of people doing all-nighters and working all weekend, flip that and think, oh, imagine if you could actually bank that time. Um, So that's been an absolute game changer for my career. Um, And I'm hoping that, you know, the private practice world would... um, take that on board one day um but yeah it's, it's been an absolute game changer and it's given me so much more balance in my life um and i guess kind of following on from that but i'd say more specific for working for a police force is kind of the uh, the excitement and the kind of interesting work that i get to be involved in now in in private practice i was very much doing um similar type of work but just for different clients every day now I'm you know really at the heart of police operations for the second largest police force in the country, working with police forces you know across the country, you know working in different kind of operations and whatnot, advising you know clients from a massive organization um, and the work is genuinely genuinely interesting and it feels like I'm, I'm genuinely making a difference. I think that a lot of lawyers get into the profession to make a a difference or a change to the world and it feels like i've you know i 
I worked in international law firms, right, where I was touching upon that slightly through like pro bono and things like that. But now it feels like my kind of main aim every day is to really make a difference uh, because in, at the end of the day, my, my client is the police force. Um, so anytime I complete a matter or I progress things, it feels like you know I'm making a positive step for my kind of region. It sounds like a brilliant place for job satisfaction and that flexi leave sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Uh, can't I mean do you do you do a lot of overtime is that do you get a lot of time back how does that actually work like every, you know on, on a monthly basis so so this is the thing I mean the, the whole concept of overtime in my mind doesn't really feel like I mean, doing a late evening is extremely rare in my in my role now. But let's say during a busy period for like the Commonwealth Games, I did have to do a few uh, later days. Um, you know, I could easily accrue two, three hours per day. And if you just, you know, do the maths in a week, that's like easily two, three days that I could take off. So it, it's quite unbelievable if you think about it that way. And just to think back when I was a trainee and then queue the amount of hours I would push in and, you yeah. know, the, the only kind of... Um, the only kind of uh, goal for that was potentially a bonus and to kind of satisfy kind of clients and kind of managing partners. But now it's just like, well, that time is yours now. And I think that's quite powerful and it's quite empowering as well. It sounds incredible. I'm, yeah, I'm very pleased for you that you managed to find this job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what pieces of experience um, what pieces of advice would you give to our student listeners who are keen to find out more about in-house careers? I would say that in the, in the modern kind of job market, you can literally work for any organisation because of remote working. Um, and there are so many more roles out there now. I think that the the proportion of the profession that is in-house is around 30%, and that's a growing figure. Um so you don't necessarily need to choose between small law firm or big law firm because that was that was my mindset when I was a student. Um, you could literally be a lawyer for any organisation now, whether it's a charity, a police force, a local council, a football club, you name it. Um, just do your research um, and keep your options open. Um, so yeah, and, and when I was a student as well, I, I remember kind of feeling that if you, you know, you didn't get through the application process for a big law firm and, you know, there's people around me that were the same as well. They thought that they had failed. Um, the reality is, you know, some of the opportunities, you know, are, are very far and few, but, you know, there are much more exciting roles out there nowadays. So uh, make sure you do your research. Um and yeah, just keep an eye out because I even see now in my, myself so many exciting in-house roles that just didn't exist a few years back. Uh, so it's a super exciting time, and just don't count yourself don't count yourself out. Um, you know, when you get kind of rejections and things like that. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Definitely the research thing. I mean, um, it's hard to know what's out there unless you actually look. And I think that. Um, like you said, again, companies, there are more and more companies now offering apprenticeships in-house. I don't know. Well, I think it's probably because of the rise of the SQE, but I just think it's a great time um, to be kind of thinking about in- in-house careers. Um, I-, I don't know whether it was whether it's always been like that. It seems to have 
been in the past, maybe not not as discussed so much, but I do think there is a bit more of an emphasis on it now. So hopefully that does continue to grow. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the SQE um, will definitely kind of open um, barriers and make uh, organisations open those opportunities. Um, so, yeah, but we'll have to wait and see for the SQE in a, in a few years time to get some good data on that. Definitely. So I mentioned in the intro that you um, that you're chair of the Birmingham Solicitors Group. And I just wondered if you could tell us more about your work with that group and how other junior lawyers can get involved. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I was actually chair last year, but I'm, I'm co-chair this year. So uh, the Birmingham uh, Solicitors Group is a professional networking group um, and community. Um, so across the country, kind of, there are JLD groups, which stands for Junior Lawyer Division Groups, and they are essentially um, communities of junior lawyers, which are there as kind of support networks and, and for professional networking. Um so yeah, I joined the Birmingham Solicitors Group as an NQ and I joined as their PR officer. So I was in charge of their social media. Um, back then, you know, we didn't really have like LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I think we just had like a website and Twitter. Um, so I really enjoyed doing all that. Um, I saw the kind of organization grow. And in the following year, that's when the pandemic hit. I actually became chair. Um, We did a lot of kind of online uh, stuff and our social media following grew and grew. And, you know, this in our third year, I am co-chair and it's fantastic to see it excelling. All of our events are very well attended. Uh, And more importantly, they're, they're attended by a wide range of people. When I was a trainee and used to go to kind of uh legal networking events it would be just populated with all the big law firms because at the end of the day it was the big uh law firms that could pay for um junior lawyers to attend these events uh so we've kind of created a very nice uh positive and inclusive environment with the bsg Um, our membership is actually free and the vast majority of our events are free as well Um, it's down to our uh, committee to work hard with our sponsors to to you know get the funding and do all the organizing Um, because at the end of the day you know our profession is is difficult to get into and it's difficult to thrive in uh, and it's down to organizations like the bsg to to provide a good positive network for people that sounds great. And what I'm going to do is leave details um, in the description box of the podcast um, to that LinkedIn page, to the Instagram page, so that people can find you and Amazing. join um, if, if they want. And and where can people connect with you online? Good question. I'm on all uh, major platforms. So uh, <laughs> LinkedIn, uh, professional Instagram now, uh, and Twitter. Okay, wonderful. I will um, also leave links to those pages in the description box. But thank you so much, Bal, for being a guest on the podcast. It's been really interesting to learn about your career um, and the work that you do as well. Um, And yeah, it's just been a real eye opener to see what other careers there are out there. Um, So thank you so much for spending your time to come and speak with us. No, thank you so much. And I appreciate it. the student lawyer as well I remember you know being part of it as a student and it's it's a pleasure to kind of be back and be in touch with you guys again lovely and thank you to all of the student listeners who are tuning in this week and we will um see you again soon bye-bye to hear more of the student lawyers podcast 
hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review. If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com.